May the Lord bless you all, brothers and sisters, newcomers, first-time guests who are visiting us. God fill you with many blessings. And at the end of the sermon, we will be making our prayer for special petitions, our needs for illnesses, diseases, and take advantage of that moment. If you are ill, if you have any sort of disease or a loved one who is sick, who is at home or at the hospital, take advantage of that moment. And if you want to raise your hands up, raise your hands to the Lord and ask Him that He, being our divine physician, that He have mercy and that He work a miracle, a healing. That it be for you or for your family member, for your loved ones. That the Lord, He knows us all. He knows our thoughts. He knows our needs. He knows our coming and going. Nothing escapes him so we put our heart with sincerity with trust believing god is near us and he will have mercy and he will hear us he will comfort us so in our final prayer you should pray and ask god and do not worry, do not feel anguished if you don't receive laying on of hands. For there are many who go to the church on a Sunday like today. They go to the church with the desire to receive prophecy or to receive laying on of hands for their illness. Now, normally we do make a prayer like this that is general. And do not doubt, for God is there watching you. He knows your need. And God will work the miracle. And yes, the Lord has taught the believers to lay on hands. He has given them the spiritual gifts. And they carry these gifts out throughout the week, Monday through Saturday. The brothers and sisters are laying hands. They're giving prophecy. They're imparting those spiritual gifts. But on Sundays, it's a day that's dedicated to the sermon, to, to the teaching, to learn what God is teaching us these wonders of his word and doctrine. And we hear the wonderful testimonies that people share of how God is there supporting his work, supporting his church, supporting us all, and the Lord bringing to life the biblical scriptures. So the honor and the glory we give to our God, because we are not alone, because we have that wonderful being who is with us. And on Sunday, it is a day to give praise and honor to God and to learn the doctrine. It is to go with a heart that is prepared, knowing that that day we're going to be celebrating with the Lord as a testimony of a sister who she shared that she was a bit lazy in going to the church on the day of the sermon. And since she was watching it on the internet, she was watching it on her TV or on her cell phone, and, and she would watch it in her pajamas. She was lazy and getting dressed up. And she was in her pajamas. And the Lord gave her a great teaching. Because she saw that there was a man, a very important man. She knew it was the Lord. And he spoke to her and said, get dressed. And so we say to that, God knows us. God knows us. But he also sees reverence in us. 
the reverence that we should have in the moments when we are praying, praising God, seeking God, going to the church, going to the congregation, that reverence. So the Lord wants us to congregate. He wants us to always congregate. So we must set aside all laziness. And I know that you are all going to be in the church. And I'm going to find out by seeing those who are tuning in online, those who are tuning in because the churches, they're just one dot. And in that one dot, in that congregation, there may be 500, maybe another 1,000, 200, or 300 people. But if I see that the number of those who are alone at home watching it, we're going to realize it. But, of course, it's not us. We are not the ones who are inspecting or observing you. It is the Lord. It's our God. And He observes our heart as well. So we, of course, move forward and please get comfortable in your places. And with joy and happiness, we're going to go over something that we have already reviewed throughout the pandemic, which is faith. Now, throughout the pandemic, I remember we spoke about faith and we read almost the entire chapter of a chapter of 11 of Hebrews. We read it all throughout the pandemic and I gave a sermon concerning faith, and it was in reference to chapter 11. Today we're going to repeat it. And repeating is a good thing. We become teachers of the Word of God when we repeat things. I have heard many brothers and sisters say that they repeat the, the teachings two, three, four times. And when they repeat them, they once again find new things. They learn something new. And they say, well, I've watched the same sermon two, three times. This is the fourth time. And now I'm learning something new. What happened? Was I distracted? Did I fall asleep? Or was there maybe something distracting me that now I'm finally understanding something after this fourth time that I've been listening to the sermon? I've heard a lot of people say this, and this is true. It's true. This is why I say in the pandemic, we review chapter 11 of Hebrews, and today I'm sure we're going to find something different. We're going to pay attention, and of course, and please excuse me for the time, because it's about 40 verses that we need to examine here to read and to enjoy with God. And so for the honor and glory of our God, Hebrews 11, it is verse number 1, where it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the substance of things hoped for, of the things that we are waiting on. Faith is then the evidence. So I'm repeating here. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Like when the Lord spoke to Abraham and said to him, you will be the father of many nations. Leave your country, your family, your home, and go to the place I will show you, for I will bless you there. 
I will make you a great man, a powerful man. And Abraham said, Yes, Lord. Immediately he packed his things and left. He left without knowing where he was going. That was Abraham's conviction. He did not know where he was going, but God had said to him, I will show you the place. And he said, yes. He had that conviction. He had no doubt. He did not question. He did not say to God, but where am I to go with my family? Where am I going to live? What am I going to live off of? What will I work doing? I'm going to a place where no one knows me, where surely no one will accept me. I am unknown to people. He did not say this. He says he packed his things and left without knowing where he was going. It was the certainty and the conviction that Abraham had. God spoke and God shall fulfill and I will leave. And God will provide all things. Blessed is the Lord. That is faith. That is faith. It is that substance of things hoped for. Something that we're expecting in the future. Something that God has promised. And it is the evidence of things not seen. In something God has promised. Something that seems impossible for human beings. It seems impossible, but I believe it. I'm convinced of it. I'm sure that this will be for there is nothing impossible for God. That is faith. So now knowing what faith is, it's not like today when maybe someone has a headache and they tell that person, uh, drink a herbal tea. Drink a herbal tea and have faith that this is going to help you. That's not having faith. Faith is linked to God with the word of God, not with the words of human beings. Human beings can promise each other many things. A human being to another makes promises and says, I will take you traveling, I will give you this or that. And the other person's not going to say, well, yes, I have faith you're going to do this with me. No, man fails. God does not. And faith is linked to him. Everything that concerns God, everything God has spoken and promised, that's it. And we wait, we believe it, and we also obey God. So this is what we call faith. So here in verse 2, it says, For by it, meaning faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. So the elders here obtained a good testimony because of faith. Because they heard God. When God taught them, when God gave them commandments and instructions, he made them promises, gave them orders, and they believed, they accepted, they obeyed. That is faith. 
This is why it says that the elders obtained a good testimony for having had faith. And here it begins to mention who they are. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So it says that the word of God said, let there be greenery, let there be animals. And the animals appeared. Let there be light. And light appeared. So we can say that those elements had faith because they heard the word of God, the command of God, and they obeyed it and they appeared. So it says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So the light did not exist, day did not exist, night did not exist, animals and vegetation did not exist, but the word of God said, let there be vegetation, let there be animals, and they all appeared. That is faith. Verse 4. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, what happened with Abel? God had taught Adam to know his ways. God taught Adam his laws and requirements. He taught him to honor God, to have respect and to love him. And also at the same time, the Bible does not mention it, but we can tell how Abel feared God had respect for the Lord. And where did he learn that from? Well, surely it must have been his father who taught him that fear of God. And this is why it says that Abel, he feared God, he loved God. And in his work, he was a shepherd of sheep. He would give an offering to the Lord and it was the best of what he had. While Cain, we saw in Cain, or we see in Cain, the desire to gain more. There was envy, there was covetousness, there was greed. And he never gave the best offerings to God. So in verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. So God justified him. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. For the Lord told Cain, the blood of your brother cries out to me from the ground. Because God was standing up for Abel and implying that he had been a righteous man who was under the fear and love of God. That was Abel's faith. He believed in that being, in that supernatural being who knows all things, can do all things, and rules over all things. That was Abel's faith. In verse 5, it says, By faith, Enoch, who was another patriarch, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. So in the Bible, 
I believe it is in chapter 6, if I'm not mistaken, but do not focus so much on the chapter, but on the actual story of Enoch, which in the Bible says that Enoch did not see death. He did not die. It says he was taken away because Enoch found grace in the eyes of God and he did not see death and that was the way God rewarded him. And in verse 5 it says, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had the testimony that he pleased God. And if he pleased God, it's because he had faith. And what was his faith? It was that when he got to know God, he heard the voice of God, the orders of God, the teaching from God and his ways, his laws. Enoch believed and he obeyed and he also acted. He began to do good works. This is why God rewarded him in this way. He gave him this great blessing. That was Enoch's faith. Verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him being God. When this verse is said, and I hear a lot of people, they memorize it. There are a lot of people who who memorize and say, well, without faith, it is impossible to please God. But I'm sure they truly have not understood what faith is. And in verse 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you do not believe, if you do not accept the existence of God as today, if you do not believe God exists, that God manifests himself to man, that God speaks to man, that God works miracles, and you don't believe, then you cannot receive blessings from the Lord. You can't receive them. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You first need to believe and to accept that God works as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That God sent His Son, the Word of Life, the same Word of God, who was there before the foundation of the world, and that He became flesh, He became a human being, and came to earth to be with men and women to save. If you do not believe that, then it is impossible for you to please God because you need to believe this, accept it, and say, yes, they are great mysteries that are hidden, but I believe that there is nothing impossible for God and He did these things. And so, that is faith that you believe and you accept and that you hold tight on to that path and that you continue and you remain in the parameters of the things God shows you and the way that he wants to guide you. So God will then say, this person has faith. This person has faith. And in this way, we please God. And God begins to manifest himself in your life. When God sees that you have faith, 
Because you believed in him. Because you believe that God does exist. That God is worshipped in spirit. That God works as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That he sent the spiritual gifts to human beings. To those who have believed. Who believe and who will believe. That he manifests himself in the congregation. When you believe this. And you begin to obey the doctrine. The commandments of the Lord. You begin to turn away from evil things in order to please God. Well, then God says, you have faith and this pleases God. And God then begins to bless you. He begins to bless you and he manifests himself in your life and he protects you. And from there on out, you are a person who is not alone in the world because you have the help of God. That is faith. And here... It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God. So whether it's a man or a woman, whoever comes to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God rewards those who seek him. This we must believe, accept it and keep that in our heart. Verse seven, by faith, Noah do you remember who Noah is? Noah, when there was that great flood and when God ordered him to build an ark, he gave him that order and in that time, it never rained. There was no rain. And God said to Noah, you need to build an ark where you're going to save yourself and your household and some animals because I'm going to send a flood and everyone will perish. They will drown they will drown in the waters. They will all perish away. Now, Noah did not begin to doubt and say, well, Lord, what is this about rain? I've never heard about it. I've never seen it. What is that? Well, what do you mean, Lord? No, no, no. This is not possible. This can't happen. This is not so. He did not question. He obeyed God. He believed. And he began to build the ark. The Bible narrates that he spent 120 years building the ark. And in those 120 years, he preached to people, preached repentance to seek God because there was a flood coming, flood waters, and they would perish. And I'm sure they, they treated him as a crazy person, didn't believe him and mocked him. Who knows how many things... He heard them say to him in that time. But what happened? Well, Noah had faith. And by Noah's faith, when it says here, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, he did not know what rain was. He did not know what it was. He had never seen it. It says that he was moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household. And by that faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So he was an heir of righteousness. So all he or she that believes and obeys God and does the works of God, it is said they have faith. And God says you are righteous. And it says it is God who justifies. And also the Lord offers an inheritance, eternal life. Those are the blessings God gives to those who have faith. And so we have already 
reviewed that faith that Noah had. He believed he built the ark and he was saved and God justified him. Then we now go on to verse number eight, where it says, by faith, Abraham, who we already talked about, he obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. But Abraham had faith. He believed God. He obeyed him. And immediately he acted, meaning he packed his things and he went out. He left without knowing where he was going, but God was going with him. It was Abraham's faith. And in verse number nine, by faith, Abraham, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. That faith of those men and what they did and how God justified them, how God blessed them, even to this day, it is the blessing that God had promised. Verse 10. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So it is a city whose foundations and whose builder is God. This is what Abraham waited for when God said to him, you need to leave here because I'm going to make you the father of many nations. So Abraham, we don't know what crossed his mind, but he had no time to imagine things, but just simply go. He left. He went after the word of God. He did God's will. That is faith. And this faith that we are reading about here in Hebrews 11 is the faith that we today, we also must have. But we're going to continue speaking about the people here of antiquity. In verse number 11, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. When God said to Abraham that he was going to give him a son, that Sarah would bear a child, Sarah was listening and she laughed. She thought it was funny. Funny to see that at her age, she was no longer in the age to bear children. So she laughed about what God said he would do for her. She may have also felt a bit ashamed and saying, well, at this age and pregnant, having a baby, what will people say? But she left and said, okay, this is what God does. But had she doubted, God would not have given her that child. And if God gave her that child, it's because she believed. And it says that she did. She believed God. She believed that God was faithful. And he had promised to give her a child. And he did. And that was Sarah's faith. So it says, therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So it says that God, after he began to make these promises, after he speaks to Abraham, he also speaks to Isaac, who was Sarah's son. And then he also makes the same promises to Jacob, 
the promises of blessings and the promises for the future. The promises that deal with our spiritual life today, with the manifestation that God has with us today. And all of these people, they had to do with those wonderful promises that we today are enjoying as well. And we give the Lord thanks because He has been teaching us since that time, the time of antiquity. And today, the Holy Spirit is teaching us the same things. So we are joyful because these scriptures, these experiences of these people did not remain as history. It did not remain as just scriptures. But today, our God is bringing them to life in our own personal life. Today, God, when a person goes to the church, to the congregation, they receive prophecy. God tells them, I brought you to this place. You did not come here by coincidence because I have been following up with you in your life. And you did this. You did that. You thought this way. And I was there. And how beautiful it is that it is the same God today. That same God who was around thousands of years ago. The same God. He is our God. And that is why in the Bible it says that God is the same yesterday and today. Yesterday and today he is the same. So when people say or they memorize the verse that says that God is the same yesterday, today, and everlasting. But he is the same in what? Well, he's the same one who spoke to those people, the same one who made the promises and gave commands and he fulfilled many things. He is the same one who speaks to us today and makes us promises and fulfills and works miracles in our lives. He gives us peace, glory to our God, faith, faith, the faith that they had and the faith that we need to have. And in verse 13, these all died in faith not having received the promises. So many people in antiquity died. But it says, they all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And they were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So it says that the people, truly, God formed his people, and there were many promises, many laws, many ordinances. But as the people now in multitude, they began to disobey God and they began to lose faith, no longer obeying God. So this is why it says that many died without having received the promises of God. But we today, who are learning the doctrine learning that if we have faith and believe in the Lord and we have experiences of everything he's spoken and promised and everything that he says to have for our life, material and physical life, and then later eternal life, well, then we do want to be intelligent and wise and follow the Lord and not to belittle the blessings from our God we want to continue and to embrace and attain these promises because we have many examples from those in antiquity of what they lost 
and what they were not able to receive, what was promised. Some of them at least weren't. But we knowing that God is this way, that he is the same yesterday and today, well then, today we need to fight in this path and to continue in this path, to remain in this faith, to remain in this path of faith, to attain those promises and to one day have eternal life. In verse 14, it says, For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So this is saying that if many had many died and not saw the promises, we have the example of Abraham when God said to him, you will be the father of many nations. And we see that Abraham died. He did not see his promise because those nations were formed later on with Moses and after with our Lord Jesus Christ. This is when the other nations come and participate because our Lord Jesus Christ made the promise that his gospel would be preached in all nations around the world and those who believe in him and follow him and do his will well, then they also will partake as part of the people, as part of that fold. And they also participate in the blessings of the Lord, the promises and eternal life. And so there we see the promise that God made Abraham, that he would be the father of many nations, is fulfilled today. It's fulfilled with us, although Abraham died and did not see that promise. But he died believing believing that things would be as God had spoken. So he is that father in spirit because Abraham is with God. Abraham exists. He is with God. He's enjoying himself. And we don't know if maybe God is showing him the church and the congregation. We don't know. And the Lord said to him, you will be the father of many nations. And that is so. And even if it is just two souls in each country who convert to God, that already counts as what the Lord had spoken and said that he would be the father of many nations, meaning all nations would have the opportunity to participate, to hear the gospel, and also to partake in the great blessing of the Lord, which is salvation. And so verse number 17, it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises, which was Abraham, he offered up his only begotten son. And by faith, God tells Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. And then later, God tells Abraham, you need to sacrifice your son to me. He did not question it. He didn't say, well, what do you mean? You give me my son, and now you're going to take him from me? Now I have to sacrifice him? No, he obeyed. And that faith is what God rewarded. Abraham is our father of faith. He is the father of faith. Although before Abraham, you see, we read about all of the other people who received God's blessings by faith. Those great people like Noah, Enoch, Methuselah, all of them, they had that great blessing. But God has rewarded and very much highlights Abraham because of the promise he made to him about the future. 
That promise who is actually carrying out is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one carrying out that promise of Abraham because he is the one there working with his church so that his word is fulfilled so that the plans he has of that gospel being preached in all the world is fulfilled. And now here in verse number 18, which was said to Abraham, of whom it was called in Isaac, your seed shall be called. But then later on, he asks for his son to be sacrificed. And he followed through and God tested him. And God saw that Abraham had faith. Verse 19. Now Abraham concluding that God was able to raise him up. He was powerful enough to raise up his child. It says here, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So he said, or he thought to himself, God wants me to sacrifice my son, but I'm sure God will resurrect him later so that everything he promised would be fulfilled. Everything he promised concerning my son. And that's what verse 19 is saying. Now in verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. So Jacob was knowledgeable of the promises that God had made Abraham and Isaac. And then later on to Jacob, when in dreams he spoke to him and he believed God. And when he was about to die, he blessed each of his sons and he also blessed Joseph's sons because he believed that God had spoken to him and made him promises and those promises would be fulfilled. This was the faith of these people, the faith of Jacob. By faith, Joseph, Joseph, who was in Egypt, he was the son of Jacob. It says, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made a mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Now, by faith, Joseph said to them, when you, when God, when God frees you from here, because I know that God is going to free you from Egypt, from this slavery, he's going to free you and you will go to a place that God will lead you to enjoy. And when this happens, take my bones. I don't want to stay behind. So he said this to them because he trusted, he believed, he had believed in God and he knew that God had blessings for the people of Israel, for their family. And also the blessing for him was for his bones to be taken out of Egypt. That was Joseph's faith. Now 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. So Moses' parents, they were not afraid of the commandment of the king when he said they would kill all the children under two. But what they did was they hid this child, trusting and believing in God's power, believing God would protect and preserve him. And that is exactly what happened. That was that faith, the faith that Moses' family had. That's why he was saved. Now in verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He knew the word of God. He knew of God. And very possibly it was his mother who taught him because Moses' mother is who raised him. She must have shared his story 
and spoken to him about God. And this is why he did not want to belong to the royalty of Egypt, but rather he left that family and he defended his brothers and sisters of Israel because he believed in God. He had trusted in God. Now in verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. And so he, what he was thinking of was God, in God. And the apostle says here that Moses, without knowing it, without knowing it, he was choosing the riches of our Lord Jesus Christ. The heavenly riches is what Moses was choosing over belonging to the royal family because he believed in God. He trusted in the Lord. Verse 27, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So he believed when God spoke to him. Let's remember, he was standing in front of a bush, and that bush was burning. And he was there. And Moses heard the voice of God telling him, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. And God spoke to him, made him promises. God gave Moses many instructions, and he believed God. And he was not afraid of the king. He was not interested in or cared about the king coming to take his life because he had faith. That was Moses' faith. Verse 28, By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Let's also remember in history that before leaving Egypt, they had the Passover and God gave orders to Moses. He told him that he had to stain the doorposts with the blood of lambs that were sacrificed, that they had to make their food and for the family to eat that food. And with, again, the blood of the lambs, they would stain the doorposts, the entrance of the, of the doors, because there was going to be that angel of death that was going to take the life of all the firstborn of Egypt, for this was the punishment that the Lord put in place over the king because of the hardness of heart, because of his disobedience in not wanting to let the people of Israel go. And Moses, with faith, believing God, obeyed. He carried out the Passover celebration and he stained the doors with that blood. And when the angel passed at midnight, all those that had the blood of the lamb on their doors were protected and all else, well, there was great death. All of the firstborn of Egypt died. And here it says, by faith, Moses, he carried out all of those things because he believed God. And so we are all analyzing. If these people in that time, and God did not manifest himself with the spiritual gifts, but today... God is manifesting himself with his spiritual gifts. He has given us the Holy Spirit. This is why we greatly advise you to seek the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It is the first sign to know that the Holy Spirit has come to your life, come to your heart, that you speak in tongues. And so then you know God is with me. And God gives the spiritual gifts 
And God begins to manifest himself in the life of each person, teaching, correcting, giving commands, guiding, and leading, and making wonderful promises. And in this way, that is how this man or this woman who is now covered by this spiritual blessing, they begin to have faith and to believe in the Lord. Because this faith, it needs to be had every day of our lives. We need to live with this faith every day of our life. And so those people in antiquity, look at how God is justifying them. He's justifying them by the faith that they had in the Lord. And also in verse 29, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so were drowned. And this is true because the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea. And once they passed to the other side, the Egyptians and the king, they were all behind them. And then the waters joined again and they all perished. So by faith, because Moses obeyed God. Verse number 30. It speaks of another faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Let's remember with Joshua, with Joshua, when God ordered that they should walk around the walls seven times and then sounding off the trumpets and that the walls would then fall, God gave them victory in that battle and they conquered those lands and that city called Jericho. So by faith, because God spoke to them, he said to them, march around the city and shout and blow the trumpets. And so they obeyed. They obeyed because they had faith. And that was that faith in believing God and obeying Him and not questioning Him and saying, well, how can it be? How can the walls just fall down with our shouts? How can that happen? They did not question. They said, we're going to do it. We're going to obey. They obeyed and the walls fell. And so faith, look at what faith does. What faith can do. And there are people, I hear people say, well, faith moves mountains. And our Lord Jesus Christ, he spoke about mountains and he said that whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, that that would happen. But this is not that kind of faith that you mock or laugh about. It's not people's sayings. Having faith is something serious. It's something to truly believe in a powerful God that lives, that exists in a living God. It's not just having a theory or a fantasy or a belief. I'll write now in verse 31, it says, By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. For there in Jericho, this harlot, she let the spies lodge in her home, those spies who were coming on behalf of God to see the situation, and she hid them because she believed that they were men of God who deserved to be protected. And she gave them food and lodging and protected them and to go through the wall. And so that is how they were preserved from death. And so this harlot saved herself, that she and her home were saved the days that the walls of Jericho fell. She did not perish. She continued to live with her family. This was the reward God gave her because she had faith. And in verse 32, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. So the apostles said that he would need to continue 
to mention and list everything that these people lived by faith. All of them had faith. They were saved by faith. And now there are many people who ask and say, well, if those who are saved are everyone who is after Christ, what about the people before? Well, we're learning that they are saved. They're saved by faith, by the faith of having believed God. And we today, we are saved by the faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is God himself who came and sacrificed himself. He made the law of Moses null and whoever believes in him will be saved and have eternal life. So you see, we are also saved by that faith, but now in a very different way. Those in antiquity, they heard God, they believed him and they obeyed. And today we hear the Messiah, we hear the Savior, we hear that messenger of God, that perfect king and we believe in him. And so God he also has our salvation, just as these people had it. And Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and all the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. This is the faith of those people. This is the answer to those who would say, well, what happened to those people in antiquity? How were they saved? Were they saved or were they not saved? Because people ask questions and they say, well, God punished the people of Israel. They all were sinning. No one had been saved. And yes, no one was saved by the law of Moses. No one. But there were many who were saved by faith by the faith of Abraham, which is the same faith that we have today. Now, of course, they are not a part of the church. They do not belong to the body of Christ because the body of Christ is after our Lord Jesus Christ. And with his gospel, he forms his church and he begins to form it with his apostles. And from there, the church of God is formed. And then the Holy Spirit is the one in charge of forming the church, perfecting it. So... That body is the one that is betrothed. And these people we just read about, they are the guests to that wedding. They are the guests to the wedding of the Lamb. For there in Revelation, it speaks of some guests. The glory be to God. And so here in verse number 35, it says, Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection meaning god worked many miracles in that time many miracles the lord carried out and many resurrected even on the day that our lord jesus christ was crucified on that day there were many that resurrected and people were happy people were happy that once again they recovered the loved ones that they had lost that is what the story tells us and so we know this to be true Verse 36, still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. All of this happened in antiquity and also after our Lord Jesus Christ. All of these things have happened to the servants or the followers of God, but they have never 
cared too much about these things and they simply face them because God comes first. And death is gain and death is better than life. That is what the Bible tells us because it is better to be with God. That is what the apostle said. He said, I would like to already be with the Lord. Take me. But also, he said, I want to preach and teach people before I go. And he said, I don't know what I want. And so all of these other people, they probably thought the same, that death was better. It is better to be with God. And we were persecuted, it says. They were stoned and they were scourged. There's a lot of history about all of those who followed God. Many of them suffered persecution in one way or another. But the best thing and the most beautiful part is to live with God. It is to be with God in this life and also in the next. To be with the Lord. And in verse 38, it says, Of whom? Meaning here, of all of these people who were persecuted and sacrificed and who suffered, they suffered in following the path of God and believing Him. It says here, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. So some of them were fleeing. They fled because they had to, because they had to preach the word of God and they were being persecuted. But they didn't pay attention to these things. And it says, in all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Of course, what had been promised when the Lord spoke. And he said, for example, in the case of Abraham, he told him, you would be the father of many nations. And to Moses, he said, I will give you the promised land. It is a land that flows with milk and honey and has many blessings. You will enjoy it. You will be happy. And so they physically, they did not see that promise we find Joshua, for example, when God spoke to him of great wonders that God would work with the Joshua, that just as he was with Moses, he would be with him. Yet, we find the struggle that Joshua had with the people of Israel, and he died. And many promises that God had made him, he did not see fulfilled. Yet, they were fulfilled with other people later on. As with us today, we are enjoying those promises God had made Abraham glory to the Lord. So it says in all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us. And it was that the Lord was preparing something better for the future. The Lord was not so concerned in that time of fulfilling the promises immediately because our God knew that those promises would be fulfilled with Jesus Christ. And this is why many, many of them died without having received all that had been promised because God had prepared that after Christ, better things would come. And so verse 40, God having provided something better for us, those who are believers in Christ, that they, meaning those in antiquity, should not be made perfect apart from us so that they should not be made perfect because if God fulfills everything to them, then there would no longer be a plan to be fulfilled in the future. So he says 
that the gospel and what our Lord Jesus Christ did, it was far more perfect. And God was preparing it so that we, the believers in Christ Jesus, could enjoy and so that we could be perfected with the work of the Holy Spirit. And that they, those in antiquity, they were not completely perfected, meaning they did not receive everything that had been promised because God the Father had prepared that perfection was coming with Jesus Christ. That perfection came with Jesus Christ. And what was the perfection? What is that perfection? Well, when Jesus Christ says to us through the Holy Spirit, he tells us, follow me. Follow me because I will give you peace. I will give you happiness. I will give you new life. I will put a new garments over you. You will have virtues. You will have spiritual gifts. You will serve me. You will win over many souls for my kingdom. I will protect you, preserve you from danger. You will lack nothing. I will sustain you. Follow me, for I will be with you always every day of your life. I will be your shadow. I will always be hearing your prayers, your pleas. I will always look at every one of your needs and your condition. And one day, after death, I will give you eternal life. Glory to our God. That is what we call perfection. That is perfection. And perfection... God had that in store for us today, after Christ. God could not have perfected those in antiquity. They did good works. They believed him. They loved God. But God had something better for us today. We give our God thanks. And how is it possible that we could ever be ungrateful we cannot be ungrateful to God. We cannot be distant from Him. We cannot ignore the Lord. We need to be very attentive to please our God, to do good works, to do what is right, so that He may say we are righteous, so that He may say we are upright. Because perfection, He is offering that to us. And it says that in his church, he says so in Ephesians 4, when he says that in the church, the Lord appointed apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping or the perfecting of the saints, of the believers, so that all may reach the stature, the fullness of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the Lord. Thanks be to our God. Thanks be to our Father. For he is going to give us that perfection. Thanks, because he did not give it to those in antiquity, although they had a lot of faith. Today, we also have faith, and God will perfect us, because it says that his church will be without spot or wrinkle. It will be a perfect church. The glory be to the Lord. Glory be to our Father. Let us pray. Holy Father, thank you, Lord Almighty God. Thank you for your love, for your mercy. 
for your patience, for that great love that you have had for your creation, for those beings you created, you formed, those who today the majority are ungrateful to you and don't remember you. They have forgotten you exist. They have forgotten, and each is seeking their own path. Each is seeking their own well-being. And they do not think about you. They're not interested. But we have known you. We have gotten to know you here through the Bible, through these scriptures. Scriptures that you have brought to life with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you have sent your Holy Spirit to our lives. And this is why we have this great experience to know that you exist through your Holy Spirit. Because of the spiritual gifts and because of the miracles, the wonders and signs that you have worked throughout the times after our Lord Jesus Christ, over 2,000 years, the way that you have manifested yourself, you have shown us you exist. You are the true living God. And that we today are privileged in being in your presence. Father, I ask you to give us all wisdom and understanding and knowledge that you help us so that we all may love you with all of our heart with all of our being and that we seek you and that we never turn away from your wonderful path that we may always walk down this path of perfection that you may always teach us your word your doctrine that you correct and guide us lead us so that we are able to do things right thank you my father in the glorious name of your son jesus christ we ask and now father i ask for the people, for the men and women and children who are ill, those who have diverse diseases, people of all ages, those who are in hospitals or even at home, those who are in wheelchairs, those who have mental illnesses, those who are not able to speak, those who are not able to hear, those who can't even move, those who can't see those people who live a sad life of affliction crying out and asking for mercy for healing asking for your miracles lord that you work miracles in each of them work miracles in each of them look at everyone's prayer and look all are crying out to you and asking for healing that you manifest yourself also, Lord, there's problems with witchcraft, sorcery, and curses. They affect a lot of people and they suffer. We all suffer, Lord, with this type of affliction, with this plague of spirits. I ask you, Lord, that you deliver us and that you also give this wonderful gift in the church of casting out demons, that you support your children, your sons and daughters with this, these spiritual gifts so that people may be delivered. Holy Father, we are in your hands. Lord, we are under your shelter. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us, watching us, and help us. Help us to pray. 
Help us to present ourselves before you with wise words that are concise so that we are able to convince you, so that we are able to have you listen to our prayer. Help us, Lord, to pray. Help us, Lord, to speak to you, for you are close to us. Lord, I ask that you bless all people, the brothers and sisters in the church in all places, those who are first-time guests, bless them as well, and also the newcomers, and give to each person a portion of your spirit. May they feel happiness and joy in their hearts. Thank you, Father, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. Glory and praises be to you forever. Yo sé que estás aquí, Señor. Yo sé que estás aquí. Yo sé que estás aquí, Señor. Yo sé que estás aquí. Mi alma te alaba. Mi alma te alaba. Mi alma te alaba. Porque sé que estás aquí. Mi alma te alaba. Mi alma te alaba. Mi alma te alaba. Porque sé que estás aquí. Yo sé que estás aquí, Señor. Yo sé que estás aquí. Yo sé que estás aquí, Señor. Yo sé que estás aquí. Mi alma te alaba. Mi alma te alaba. Mi alma te alaba. Porque sé que estás aquí. Mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, porque sé que estás aquí. Glory to the Lord. Thank you very much, my dear brothers and sisters. A big hug to you all. And for all the children, kisses. God bless you. Until next time. Thank you.